Gentlemen, welcome to the Get Around Podcast, episode number 17. We're creeping up on episode 20, and I think we're going to make it. I am your host, Brendan Queeley. Joining me in the studio this week is Brett Summers, a.k.a. Little Cinnamon Toast Crunch. You can call me Lil Pepto-Bismol. James, what was the uh, what was the last product that you bought? Last product? Yeah, I, th- the last I thought it was supposed to be the first product of 2018. No, it was the last product that oh, you bought. Okay. What was the last pot product that you bought? Probably a Mio. A Mio? Yeah. Lil Mio. So, so you're Lil Mio, and that actually sounds like a rapper name. <laughs> it does. Yeah, Lil Mio in the house. He is super in the, white. In the higgity. Super, super white. But <laughs> anyway, back to the show. Uh, happy to be here and happy that you are listening uh, once again to the Get Around. We are going to have, uh, again, just like last week, we, we've got ourselves a pretty solid show. We will have uh, Manton coach Ryan Hiller on with us a little bit later, the uh, the head boys basketball coach. He'll be in here talking about uh, how well the Rangers have done so far to start the season, as well as the charity game that they have coming up against Buckley on January 20th. It is called the Manton and Buckley versus Cancer Game, and it will be in memory of uh, Cadillac coach Jeff McDonald, who passed away, uh, lost his battle with cancer in July of 2015. Uh, we will also get into our Get Around Hall of Fame and induct a no, uh, another member into that, and then we will finish off the show as we always do with the trifecta as we look at the best basketball movie ever and all of us have agreed that it is one movie, and more than likely, you you all listening out there, if you've ever watched that movie, it's, well, I think number one, it's it's number one on the list of several just best sports movies of all time. It is certainly the best basketball movie of time of all time, but we will give uh, a couple other picks as well uh, to make it slightly more entertaining. But before we get into all of that, let's check the heartbeat of the sports world and get around with the pulse. So starting off, uh, we're just going to kind of talk about the competition that we are seeing so far in the Northwest Conference uh, on both the boys and girls side. Brett, we've we've seen really good competition starting with the boys and the boys conference may be, I wouldn't say decided, but you're going to start to see some separation this week. You were finally going to get to see the true colors of a lot of these teams, I think, to this point. There's still some question marks in the air after a bunch of the non-conference play and heading into the holiday break, but now you're talking about the likes of uh, Buckley, Frankfurt, and Glen Lake specifically, uh, once they start to match up against each other uh, for the first time, we're I think we're really going to learn a lot about all three of these teams and have a much better idea of what type of damage they're each going to be able to do down the stretch and and headed into March. Although this show comes out on Tuesday morning, we of course record uh, Monday afternoon, and as of Monday, you, looking at the conference standings, you have Frankfurt at 3-0 with a 5-0 overall record. Glen Lake also at 3-0, they're sitting at 4-0 overall, and then Buckley at 2-0 and sitting 2-2 overall, but their losses were to Kalamazoo Hackett and McBain, who are both very good teams. Both undefeated. Yes. But so here's what we have on tap for this week in, in conference play. Glen Lake versus Buckley on Tuesday. Frankfurt uh, Buckley on Thursday. Glen Lake versus Benzie coming up. And then Frankfurt versus Kingsley uh, on January 16th. So a lot of solid games that 
like I said, are going to begin to separate that conference. James, who do we think is going to kind of be the one that separates uh, it, itself from, uh, from the rest of the pack? Well, I mean, the one that has the best opportunity this week is Buckley because they play both Glen Lake and Frankfurt this week. I mean, that's a, a grueling schedule. I think that kind of happened last year, too, with them, where they had to play both of those teams in the same week. Didn't they, slow them down either. No, they managed to win both of those last year. Um, <clears throat> obviously, this year started a little different for Buckley uh, with, the, with two narrow losses early in the season, but uh, neither in the conference. So, um, I mean, the Northwest Conference schedule on the boys' and girls' side this week is just ridiculous. It is great. Is the Are those two losses by Buckley, do you think that helps the Bears in any way? Well, I think I think it might ease the pressure a little bit from last season, just because I mean everybody basically was thinking championship game or bust uh, after their trip to the finals last year, um, and so just kind of I mean again two really good opponents they played, so it's not like they were you know losing to cupcakes on the front end of their schedule. These are teams that are legitimate opponents, and uh, on top of you know not having to worry about the pressure of a second undefeated season, which the Bears had until uh, their loss to Powers North Central in the title game last year. Uh, but also it gives you a little extra fire, a little more focus, um, clearly demonstrates what you need to work on as a team uh, moving forward if if Buckley uh, plans to, to get back to Breslin in, in a state title game, which obviously that, that's, that's their plan. James, do you think it's a surprise what Frankfurt has done so far getting off to uh, a 3-0 record in the conference and now sitting undefeated at 5-0? They have uh, a, a really deep roster and a, uh, several great players. Yeah, I mean, they have their entire starting five back and a couple of guys off the bench back from last season. I think they may be a little bit deeper team this year than they were last year. Uh, that, that bench, I think, may be a little bit better um, than it was last season. You know, um, and to, get, to go back to Buckley, I think that those two losses are are a good thing for them because I, th- I don't know that they necessarily needed it, but it might be kind of that, uh, I don't know, wake-up call. Right, we're not invincible. Yeah, I mean, they, and they were both very good teams, like I said. I think those two teams are combined, like, 13-0. and 0. And McBain hasn't lost in the regular season for, what, the last three, four years? Is that right? I mean, I know they lost Something in the playoffs, like but in the regular season uh, they've been just rolling opponents. And that was only, like, what, a three-point game, three, four-point game or something? Right. Hackett was, like, one or two points. Yeah, Hackett was just one point. So it's not like they've been getting blown out. Plus, it's it's got to be nice to play some close games early in the season, even if it's not. I mean, even if you lose those, that's a wake-up call. It's got to be a, a good thing to have some close games against good, tough competition early in the season to kind of get you right into it. Do we think Buckley wins both of these games? Did they split them? Did they go 0-2? How do we feel that they're going to go? I mean, again, Glen Lake and Frankfurt, you're running the gauntlet this week. I know it's only two games, but I guarantee you that Tuesday is going to be very physical and then Thursday is going to be very physical. So you're playing two high-pressured games, two games that mean a lot in the span of three days. Are the Buckley Bears strong enough to take care of that? I know they have a great deal of experience last year going through uh, the playoffs and then getting to the Breslin Center. Uh, is that going to translate a little bit? Well, I think the the really interesting thing to see this week is just how their starting five and depth or lack thereof uh, figures into these games because I do feel like Glen Lake and Frankfurt, maybe, they're, maybe their starting five isn't quite to the level of Buckley's, but I think their benches are... Uh, a little more stocked and a little more talented and uh you know we'll finally get to see where maybe the the Buckley's one weakness where it may come into play is its depth 
Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, going back to Frankfurt just real quick, James, the Griffin Kelly came on last year on, on the varsity team. He's an incredible athlete. We, we know that from his experience in, in football. I mean, he was our player of the year obviously his experience last year and now what he's doing this this season uh, I mean he've had he's had more than a couple of 20 point games is he the difference maker for that Frankfurt team yeah I think he certainly can be I mean he's so athletic that uh, the teams just can't just can't concentrate on Jalen Rogers anymore uh, it used to be when you were playing Frankfurt you just tried to stop Jalen Rogers and dare everybody else to beat you and now you can't do that I mean uh, you know, Griffin Kelly can beat you. Uh, Matt Loney, when he's on his game, can be a, a big factor in games. You know, Matthew Stefanski is a guy down low that uh, that's just hard to contain for a lot of teams because you know it's hard to to match that kind of size. And then you know, Kirk Myers is a is a really solid fifth starter for them, who's you know great defensively. Brett, you're going to the game on Tuesday between Glen Lake and Buckley. How do you expect Glen Lake's Xander Okerlund to play in that game? I expect them to ball out. I, I mean, I'm, I hope that they all do. If you even just look at the top three players on each of those rosters, uh, the kind of firepower and uh, athletic ability that they all have, uh, I hope it's not, you know, just a hype train and that everybody goes cold. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think that's going to be the case. I do think you're going to see all the players ball out and and really, probably give you an instant classic in the Northwest Conference at least starting this season. Moving along to the girls' side of it, there's a lot going on with the boys, but there's a lot going on with the girls as well. You have Benzie Central and, and James. You were you were on this to in the preseason. You were calling for Benzie Central to do a lot of good things, and right now they're sitting at the top of the Northwest Conference with a four and zero record. They're seven and zero overall. Kingsley's right there behind them, and, and Glen Lake. Both of those are sitting at three and zero in the conference, and they're also both six and zero. The next one uh, is Leland, but they're just sitting at two and two. Are those three teams the class of the Northwest Conference? Yeah, I think definitely. Um, I, I think Benzie may get a little bit of a, a little bit of a shot in the arm this week when the uh, when the girls basketball poll comes out tomorrow morning and they see that they are not ranked and that uh, Glen Lake and Kingsley both are. I mean, Benzie is not even in the, the honorable mention list of teams that got twelve or more votes. Do you think um, that's because of a, of a weakness in their schedule? Um, it doesn't seem like a weak schedule to me. If you're four and zero already in in the Northwestern Conference or the Northwest Conference, you, I mean, you need to get a little bit of dap at least. I think. I would think so. I imagine that they got votes. It's just they didn't get up to that twelve threshold that they publish in the Associated Press rankings, which I, which I think is kind of ridiculous that they don't. But anyway, uh, I, I'm, it may just been a, a saturation point in that voters didn't want to vote for three teams from the same conference yeah and just like the Buckley side had on the boys Benzie has Kingsley on Wednesday and then Glen Lake on Friday so they're running the gauntlet in uh, playing those two games in three days what do we expect Brett to see out of Kingsley and Glen Lake in those two games uh, against Benzie Central well no disrespect to Benzie but at least at this point I do think that Kingsley and Glen Lake are, are one two maybe one a and two a um you know, with the with the run and then the number of players Glen Lake returns from last season's team, it's sort of hard to subvert them uh, beneath Kingsley, even though Kingsley has an incredibly talented team. And, I mean, it's basically been blowing the doors off anybody that they play to this point in the season. So while I'm most excited for when those two teams match up, if Benzie can even win one of those two matchups, I think it throws an entire wrench into the conference schedule because... I mean, at this point, without having seen them play each other, I think Glen Lake and Kingsley very well could split this year. 
I was very fortunate to go to two games where I saw Benzi and Kingsley play, uh, both against Traverse City West, and both of them uh, took care of business. Uh, I do think that Traverse City West played a lot, uh, you know, much better in their in their second game, and you can see a lot of improvement. Kingsley was was great right off the bat. I think they put up 77 points in that game. They were hitting from outside. You had Bowman, you had J.C. King, you had Becca Crosby doing a lot of good things, and then Benzi did a lot of things well against Traverse City West as well. Uh, I was really impressed with their speed, the way they pushed the ball up and down their court. The the ball movement was incredible. They really seemed intelligent with their passing. And the one thing that head coach Sarah Ross said is that she likes the basketball IQ of her team, that they're very intelligent on the floor. She said coming off of that break, they were a little bit rusty, especially in the, in the first and second quarters, but they seemed to get things going in the second half. And she was happy, but... I, w- I wouldn't say disappointed, happy, but she knew that her team needed uh, to make improvements in a lot of areas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, saw, I watched them. I watched one of those games on uh, that uh, local public access station down in Cadillac. It was uh, a game that was uh, shown like the next day or two afterwards, and, and against Cadillac. And they, and man, they you know Cadillac's a Class A team, and Benzie was just controlling that game. Like you said, the the defense was very good. They were cutting off passing lanes all over. The ball movement was excellent. Yeah, they I think were they forced shots. I think they forced forty-one. No, it was just thirty-one turnovers against West. I mean, I shouldn't say just thirty-one, but they forced. There were a lot of unforced errors by Trevor City West as well. But you know that was you got to give credit to that defense. And I can't say enough about Benzie not really setting up any plays. They were just going up and down the court. I don't know if you noticed that James when you were watching the game, but they didn't slow down. No, yeah, and then when they got on the break, I mean, they, they went out on the break, and they didn't, uh, I mean, they just went to the hoop and didn't didn't stop, didn't set up a play or anything like that. They they took it right to you and, and kept the, the pace of the game high. Brett, do you expect uh, either Kingsley or Glenn Lake to pass Benzie in the standings at some point this season? I guess at this point I would, for the same reasons that I just mentioned before. The I mean, the experience and talent, Glenn Lake coming back off of a, a semifinal appearance last year, and then... Um, Kingsley just carrying over so many athletes that have had phenomenal seasons in multiple sports over the last calendar year. I mean, that's not to say I don't think Benzie can't win a game against either one of those. You know, just my opinion, I don't know that they would be the favorite in any of those games. So why don't we go with uh, predictions? Brett and James, uh, who do we feel is winning the boys' side of the Northwest Conference? Who's the one that's going away with the title this year? My head says Buckley because they are the proven commodity, They've been there, done that, went to the state championship game, and I think they're motivated to do that again. And, I mean, nobody in the conference beat them last year. Uh, and if you don't really lose any of your starters, why would anybody beat you the, the, you know, the following year? But for whatever reason, I just have this feeling about Glen Lake this year that they are going to be leaps and bounds better. And, I mean, you saw at times last season how incredibly talented the Lakers were and, and could be. And... Uh, I, I just think that could be a really phenomenal team. I think uh, a podcast or two ago I made the prediction that I, I thought both Glen Lake boys and girls would make a run to the semis. Now, obviously, Glen Lake is not playing in the same class as Buckley, so that's not apples to apples there. Um, but I've, I just I wouldn't be surprised um, if Glen Lake figured out a way to uh, come out on top this year. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. And I think that uh, I mean all three of these teams have a lot coming back from last year, but Glen Lake has a lot younger guys coming back from this year who I think will take big steps. 
Um, you're going to see Xander Okerlund be even better, I think, than last season. Uh, Reese Hazleton, I think, is going to be the, the big difference in this, in that he's, he, towards the end of last season, really stepped up and started being a, a big-time player, and that gives them yet another one. I mean, so I think that's, what, four big-time players, I think, that they've got, and they've got a lot of height. And I don't think we can, I don't think we can, I I don't think we are, but I don't think we can sleep on Frankfurt and what they are doing this year. I know that looking at last year, you and I went to the Frankfurt-Buckley game, Brett, and they, you know, the Bears took care of business there. They shut down Jalen Rogers. They didn't really allow anybody else. Uh, Talking to head coach Reggie Manville after that loss, he was just kind of despondent. Just when we we didn't play well, we got beat tonight, and you got to wonder if Buckley can do the same thing. If they can come down and their defense, they are a defensive-minded team with a great offense. That's what Blair Moss, the head coach, wants his team to be. He wants them to be defensive-minded, using that defense to create offense and open up op- opportunities either from the outside or down low they have great passing you know up the court it it seems like every once in a while you have it you know you have one of the players break loose and get to the other half and either Cade or Harris or the Beeman brothers or or Weber just finds who's ever uh, open down court and it's for a wide open layup it's they're an impressive team but I don't I it's tough for me to pick I think Frankfurt has a really good shot at this I think Glenn Lake has a really good shot at this. I think Buckley has a really good shot at this. Yeah, I don't, I don't think any any of us would be surprised if it was any of those three teams. I mean, I, I, you know, I think it's, it's no, it's almost a toss up. No, we wouldn't. I don't think extent. either of, or the three of us would be shocked at whoever came out on top. Mm-hmm. I'll be honest. I'd, I'd be a little surprised if Frankfurt rose to the top among those three. I'm not saying they can't, but I would be a little surprised. Um, but you know, Brendan, earlier you mentioned the the physicality that we're expecting. Um, this week in these boys' matchups, and I talked about the depth before. You know, at some point Buckley's going to run into foul trouble, especially. I mean, even going back to the soccer season or whenever. You know how these guys play. Yeah, they're physical. They're they're physical. They like to make contact, but there's going to be a night where an official doesn't who does not like contact has the whistle ready, and I don't. I, w- I feel like, at least at this point, that Buckley is the least equipped of these three teams to handle a starter or two sitting on the bench because of foul trouble. All right, what do we, what do we think about the girls? Who is, right? like I said, Benzie's sitting on top right now, but Kingsley is just uh, a half a game behind. Uh, they are you know, 4-0, 3-0, 3-0. Who's coming out on top with that one? Brett, I feel like you already made your pick kind of with Glenn Lake. Maybe I'm mistaken and wrong that you didn't. Well, again, that's a case of Glen Lake and Kingsley aren't exactly apples to apples because Kingsley's a Class B school, true, um, which, which does not inhibit uh, or prohibit Glen Lake from reaching the semifinals, even if they were to lose to Kingsley. I think I am going to stick with Glen Lake uh, in this case, although, as we said with the boys, I'm I would not be surprised at all if Kingsley won this conference this year. Um, yeah, I think it's going to come down to between Kingsley or Glen Lake. I, I wouldn't count Benzie out because they're going to kind of have a chip on their shoulder, like I said. Rankings aside, you know, everybody's talking about Kingsley and Glen Lake. So Benzie will have that going for them. Um, they're going to have the fact that, you know, this is the first time in, in a while that they've been a serious contender in this conference. So um, they're going to not want to miss that opportunity. But Kingsley and Glen Lake have to be the favorites. Um, you know, Glen Lake's got good depth. Uh, you know, Caitlin Schaub in the middle is somebody who you who has a matchup 
problem for just about anybody. And she really appear, appears to have stepped up her game so far. I was just going to say, I feel like she is one of the candidates around this area for most improved player from last year to this season. Mm-hmm. And, and you've got Kingsley. Uh, Kingsley will run and press everybody because their team is so deep. Probably I mean, 11 deep. Yeah, I mean, every game they're playing nine, at, le- at least. Um, and I think uh, Matt Shellick said that they have eight players averaging between eight and ten points. Nobody averages more than ten out of those out of the first eight players that, that uh, play, and then they have another ninth that plays a, a decent amount of minutes there. I mean, they're they're so deep that the that Austin Deweese, who the standout volleyball player, who's uh, you know legit six footer, um, is on the JV team because <laughs> because they just don't have they can't give her enough time on the varsity, so they just said, well, we'll just stick with her on JV. They'll, so they'll have her during the playoffs, so they'll have another person. So they'll have legit 10, you know, they can come at you with two full teams and just rotate their, their five at you um, during the playoffs. So, I mean, that'll, that'll be huge, too. Um, I mean, and you're probably going to see, I think, by the end of the, by the time this team has all these kids graduate, you're probably going to see five, maybe six of these kids playing at the college level, mostly small college, probably, but five or six kids playing on the college level. Well, let's move on from the Northwest Conference to the Highland Conference and welcome in Manton Boys Basketball Head Coach Ryan Hiller. All right, we are delighted, more than delighted, to have in Manton Boys Basketball Head Coach Ryan Hiller. He is uh, generous enough to give us some of his time. And I, I just kind of wanted to start things off with one of the reasons that you're here, one of the reasons that we brought you in here is because of the Manton versus, or the Manton and Buckley versus Cancer game that you have coming up on January 20th. If you could just kind of go over how that materialized and, and who was behind that. Um, first off, thanks for having me up here. Um, it's a privilege. Uh, well, about it's been in my mind for about two years of doing something um, of this nature, and uh, Coach McDonald was uh, very, dear, very dear to me. He uh, was my mentor, a guy that I looked up to, um, not only coaching but in my personal life, someone I turned to. So when he passed away with uh, pancreatic cancer, and you know, it, it, when this is something I've always wanted to do anyway, that was a perfect opportunity for me to honor somebody that I loved, and also you know, kind of bring awareness to. Um, you know, cancer as well. I know everyone's aware of it, but it's also nice to, you know, bring it to light, you know, in the sports world as well. Why choose Buckley? A couple of reasons. One, we we had a, we actually played Buckley that Monday and it fit in our schedule. And uh, Buckley is obviously a very good team. And, um, you know, it's obviously state runner up from last year's Class D. And so they were willing to change the game to Saturday. And I thought a Saturday uh, when nobody else was playing at the time, nobody else was playing, um, would be a good game and then try to try to fill the stands. And, and um, they were a local school in Wexford County as well. And um, we teamed up with them, partnered up with them. Heather Cade, uh, their AD over there, has really been instrumental in having this, uh, you know, come to light. And um, we're working closely with Coach over there as well. And uh, that's kind of the kind of how we started off. Yeah, I figured two Final Four teams would more than likely draw a crowd. And obviously uh, an event like this to honor the former Cadillac coach, the late Cadillac uh, coach, uh, Jeff McDonald, who had just an incredible run, uh, 20 years, I believe. Uh, you talked about him being a mentor. How was he a mentor to you? Was it just through coaching or life as well? Uh, both. I mean, obviously the, he was an excellent coach. Uh, and his wins and losses uh, show that. But just the amount of people he touched through coaching. I mean, there was a time where he was our AU coach when I was in 
probably seventh, eighth grade, and a lot of the area players that used to play, um, the Huffmans of the world, the Flins, the Vanderwalls, who was uh, down coaching, he had a big impact on our careers. And so him and I became close uh, and became uh, really good friends over my college career. And and uh, when I became a coach, he was instrumental in a lot of the things I did. And uh, the last, the year after he retired, he actually helped our team out, which are my seniors, the Jaden Perry, Hunter Rule, Ethan Ansick, uh, that group. And he was uh, worked out with them quite a bit on the summer so they they really want to do this as well for them now you don't have to answer this question and i'm sorry kind of monopolizing the questions here uh and if you don't want to i understand that completely but uh how did you react to the loss uh, when he passed away in 2015 it was very hard uh you know if you went to my truck right now and took it for a spin you'd see on my you know my odometer i have a picture of my dad when he was in vietnam at 19 it just sort of reminds me of what he did for our country and he's been a great mentor in my life and then the other one's coach mcdonald in the other corner um, just to remind me every day of what he has done for me and uh, other people and uh just a great guy and if i could live up to half the person he was um, I'm going to be a, a good man. But uh, he, you don't realize it sometimes until they're gone, how many times you used to call him. Like you want to pick up the phone and he's not there to, you know, call or this tournament run. Um, you know, when he was helping us, he really, we always said if we won that district game, we were going to bring that trophy over to him. Because at that time he was uh, not able to come to the game. And not to be able to do that. And then the next year just, uh, you know, not to get past that. And then when he made the tournament run last year, I wish he was there to, you know, be, be around the guys because he did put a lot of time in with Manton basketball over the years helping me out. How important is it um, with your basketball program to do a lot of things like this? I mean, you, you did the thing for the family last year during your Final Four run. Um, I think this off season you did the thing with the uh, the child that was uh, burned in the, the fire in the hotel fire in Manton. Uh, you know, how, how cool is it or, to, or important for a program to do these kind of things for outreach in the community? Yeah, it's, it's interesting because I think the older – I've always had, uh, you know, since I've been coaching, sleepovers with the guys, like meaning we, we have nights where we hang out and do fun things, and I love the camaraderie. Um, but the older I get, you know, that's that's getting harder on me. I can't stay up all night with those guys messing around. But um, uh, but just the – I think the older I get, the more I appreciate being around the kids. It's not about the wins and losses. I think sometimes as a young coach, you're all about the wins and losses, and you're all, you know – in it for sometimes the wrong reason i think the older i've gotten in the coaching realm it's like all these little things are so important and and having the kids be around it and like you like you said we brought the kids down to Notre dame um about three four weeks ago and got to experience that we've been down to michigan state and um did just different events uh, not only to help others but to really bring us together so i think just being around each other and doing something for a good cause is a is is, is a great thing for kids that are in any realm but sports as well Going back, yeah, going back to that game, uh, it it um, you had mentioned a little girl as well that um, that that fundraiser is going to help. Can you talk about her a little bit? Yeah, uh, there's three things that we're going to do. One, we're going to do- donate the money for a scholarship for one man student senior, and another one for a Buckley. St- student but then the third thing is we wanted to find someone to donate it some of the money to or some organization and it just happened to be uh it was on my church i heard it as a prayer chain and i've never met met them before 
And so I ended up having a connection. Someone I knew knew them, and then we ended up talking. I ended up talking to the, to the mom for the first time a couple days ago and just said, hey, it's been on my heart. And so she sent me a picture today because I finally got to see the girl. And it's like, yep, and we made the right decision. And Buckley's you know, on board. We're on board. And like we showed the, our, our players the picture of the young girl today. And just to, you know, basketball, everyone, tomorrow night we'll be in the gym against McBain or in a couple weeks ago, you know, we'll be in with Buckley. And it's like everyone thinks basketball and sports are so important, which it is. But there's so many more things in life that I try to tell the guys. I mean, life is hard. Life, life's difficult. And hopefully sports can help you you know, overcome some of those things because the peaks and valleys. How much does it help offering perspective to your players uh, and how that translates over to the game of basketball, giving them pers- perspective like this, a 15-month-old child that is dealing with a malignant form of rare cancer and, and the importance of that and, and what they're doing on the court? I think helping others is huge in life. Anytime you can help somebody or even do a nice gesture for somebody, it's, it's so important. And I think... Uh, Basketball is a very competitive sport, and uh, you know you're out on the floor helping each other accomplish a goal. But sometimes it gets a little carried away at times, and the focus is on the wrong thing. And I think sometimes doing things like this, it kind of brings everything in perspective. We're out here to have fun. We're out here to play hard. You know, accomplish our goals. But there's way more important things in life than this basketball game. So I think that's what I'm trying to instill in these guys. Is you know, especially the older I get, you know, more sensitive I get to things and. It's, uh, you know, I just want them to realize, hopefully at an earlier age than I did, that there's way more important things than basketball. Well, we think the, uh, that that is awesome and commend you for putting that uh, together. Uh, getting into that, that game that you mentioned coming up against McBain, I mean, you guys were, uh, Manton was on the losing end of that matchup for a long time uh, before last season's uh, playoff game. And I think I've heard it. It's I've heard it in sports before. Said it's not really a rivalry until there's competi- competition between the two sides. So, having handed them that loss, how does that rivalry, uh, I guess, get ratcheted up another level uh, this week? I mean, I, I understand what you're saying, but I think it did become a rivalry. I think in our aspect, because we were trying to beat them. I think back in the day when the Pistons were trying to beat the Boston or the Bulls were trying to beat the Pistons, and they just couldn't get over that hump. It just took us a very long time to get over that hump. <laughs> very long time too long um but uh i think now i think they they have mcbain has a little chip on their shoulder they're they're gonna come at us with a little more aggression and they're gonna we're you know even though they're i think ranked fifth in the detroit free press and some other polls it's like uh i mean i don't consider us an underdog going into that game um i think we're two equal teams that that give any given night can you know i think it's gonna be the team that works hard and gets the little things done and fundamentally and it's a good for our community. Our girls are playing tomorrow night as well, which is a key conference game. So we're going to have that gym will probably be a, uh, pretty packed. You said that you were a JV coach with uh, with McBain. How long ago was that? Uh, that was back um, 2003, 2004, I believe, maybe right around there. Um, I, so I coached under Coach Coltman and learned a lot under him. I mean, he's a very defensive a rebounding minded coach and so am I, so am I. Um, and so it was really nice working with them and I coached under him one year for the girls and then two years for the boys what would a win against McVeigh do for this I wouldn't say program but for this team this year I mean to to get the first win especially on their home floor that'd be nice for the conference um, I don't think it's a do or die type of game I mean we got a uh, I was a little. We've had a few little injuries here and there, and some people that are banged up, and we haven't really got to. You know, at the TC West game, we had everybody and everyone was healthy, and then we kind of dwindled there for a little bit. So this will be um, a really good test for us. 
um, and hopefully have everybody back healthy and uh, you know for the most part ready to go. So that, for me as a coach, I'm, I want to see it gel because we haven't had a lot of practices together, and that's the so to see. Uh, us compete against a McBain team, which is you know a Hall of Fame coach, and I actually think their defense right now is is March type defense. Great job on his part to get them ready to go, and I've watched uh, watched them play quite a bit already, and I'm very impressed. I want to take a step back, actually, uh, look in the rearview mirror at, at last season. You guys reached the semifinals, uh, bow out there. What? How, how much did you think about that game during the off season? You know, it's one of those things is you, as a coach, you're sitting there the nights before leading up to that game. You're thinking about what you should do, what you shouldn't do. And you went well, you went one direction, and I guess the biggest thing as a coach, you're like, oh, I wish I would have went the other way, did some things differently. So a little regret. But then you look back and think, okay, there's a lot of other games that we took some chances here and there, and it paid off. And, you know, so um, really just a reflection of um, maybe not that, but just how hard it was to get to where we were at, how many things had to fall into place, how many close games. Um, obviously, beating McBain was a huge hurdle for us and, and what that was for our program and community. And, um, but there's a lot of other little little games in there, the Boyne City, the Glen Lakes, the, the Nagani's, just close battles. So I don't, I don't think I you know, dwelled on it too much, but it was, uh, you still think about what if. What if you could have just changed that game plan? Would you have done a little better? So in, when, you, when you guys played Covenant Christian in the semifinals last year, something that I remember from that game is just how much their length bothered you. And uh, now this season, your district gets shaken up a little bit, and you go from having to play McBain to potentially having to play Glen Lake, a very talented team that has a lot of length. Is there anything that you maybe learned in that semifinal game as far as battling that type of length and athleticism that may come in handy should you face the Lakers uh, in the district rounds? Yeah, and we actually do face the Lakers first round. Um, that draw already took place, so we play them um, whenever the district is, but on Wednesday up at their place. But, yeah, and we play Petoskey, and they're lengthy, and, and, and I, I think their athleticism surprised our guys a little bit when we were down there. Uh, I think they learned a lot on – you know, with that length and athleticism, our smaller guards need to understand they need to jump stop a little bit more. Uh, they're going to have to not attack the hoop maybe as they would against other teams. So they, they've been really working hard this offseason on on uh, being able to, to handle that type of length. And a couple of our guards are looking to play college basketball, and they have to learn how to attack that length at their height. And so I think uh, if we get another chance at a, a team like that, I think, we, I think we've learned our some some valuable lessons in that game as well. Uh, how much is getting uh, Ethan Ansick back in the, in the program? How much has that helped your team? It's awesome. I mean, I've I've known Ethan since he was a young kid. He's been in our program. He was he was uh, you know on varsity as a freshman for us, and then things uh, developed, and he had to move away. But uh, it was always his goal to get back up here, and it's awesome to have him back. Uh, but great, great kid, and. Uh, He's been instrumental. I know he had the ankle sprain, so he's still trying to get back in shape from that. But if he gets healthy, I mean, I've, I'm pretty honest with people. He's one of the best players in northern Michigan. I mean, he can put up numbers fast, and he's such a hard worker if he's a healthy kid. So Yeah, in our show looking at the preseason candidates for uh, player of the year, James was, again, this guy knows more about northern michigan sports you know in his pinky finger than i've learned so far in my couple of uh, like 15 months here but he was right on board and saying that ethan ansick was a candidate and a player that we needed to watch out for 
Yeah, and he's so versatile. I mean, you're looking at him, he's shooting over 60% from three, and he hasn't shot a ton of them yet, but he's uh, we have allowed him to shoot a lot more threes. He's dropped a lot of weight for a lot of the people that were watching him in AU. He was probably 20, 25 pounds heavier this summer. And so we really got got him in the gym. And I give uh, Trevor Huffman uh, a lot of credit. He's been really working with Ethan and getting him to that playing weight that he thinks he's going to have to be at college and, and working with him on his skills. And he's uh, he's going to be fun. I think he's going to be a fun kid to watch here as soon as he gets back into rhythm. So I will point out, too, on the record that uh, last year I think I picked Manton to beat McBain in the districts. Well, like I said, record. you are very, you're very intelligent. You are the previous voice. I think it was on the radio. Was it either on the TV with Harrison or on the radio where they asked me for an upset, and I said Manton over McBain. Way to go, James. We have yet <laughs> failed to make it through a show without mentioning the seven fours Harrison DV. Yeah, mention him once more. One of the things that I, I noticed last year was the the way that the, the town really rallied behind that basketball team. If you could just kind of speak to that and what that meant to both you as a coach and to the players. Yeah, I think we've had, uh, over the years, if you look back at the past, in the 90s and even before, we've had just a great, you know, great basketball tradition. I think there's been a little lull there for quite a while. For some odd reason, it's been since I've been coached, so I don't know what that means. But <laughs> so it's nice to it's nice to see him get fired up again about our basketball team and how well we traveled. And um, I think I might have sent you a video of our or someone made a video for our highlight reel and how many people after that Nagani game waited and how many fire trucks and ambulances and police you know emergency vehicles brought us into town and we traveled around and you know there's so many people by the time you got back around did the block you couldn't you had to wait for another five minutes because there's so many cars so that's the kind of community we have very supportive I mean I could go on and on about how many people um, support our sports and donate so much money to help our kids in a lot of ways so um, I'm very blessed to be in Manton I'm very excited to have my kids grow up in Manton as well. Has the community always been that way? Because you you played at Manton, you made a deep postseason run, and now your jersey's up there in the rafters with a two thousand point score. How, how, is the community the same as you remember it back when you were playing? Yes, yes. I mean, obviously, when you, when you win, I mean, it's with any sport, you get a little more um, people showing up. But you you'd be amazed. I mean, it was just six years ago. Um, which I was uh, one in twenty as a coach, and in uh, the same people were in the stands watching, and so they, they people love basketball and man, and they they come and support us, and so uh, and which that the kids on that team were great kids as well, and they and the, I mean we had people that that supported us there because the kids and the way they act, and um, that's something I hang my hat on. If they can leave the floor and you know represent our school in a good way, you know positive way, then that's a success. You've already talked uh, some with us here about how you know you, you've kind of learned that it's not necessarily about the wins and losses. The more you've coached, but going back those six years, I mean, at the time, how hard was going through a one in twenty season? It was hard. I mean, you gotta, when I started, when I started, Coach Lofmanier, which has been Hall of Fame coach as well at Man, when he uh, decided to step down, and I took over. We actually had an all state player that was getting recruited by a lot of colleges and he actually um passed away in a car accident coming to the gym to work out with me on uh um uh july 4th and uh it's like that that team that team right there was a a really solid team and he was a great great kid and he passed away and then it kind of it kind of spiraled into a few years where we just kind of you know just it was a bad taste in our feeling of just you know of that type of thing um and we kind of got over that hump a little bit and kind of persevered and and 
we had a few winning seasons. If you're going by wins and losses, a few winning seasons here and there. But it took it's taken quite a while to get back on that winning track. And these young kids, and I give a lot of credit to the parents' participation as well. Um, you know, Jaden Perry's dad, Jason Perry, has done so much with these kids when they were younger, as so well as all the parents that traveled around. And that's huge. If you don't have really good parent support at the younger ages, it's really hard to build a successful program and have great coaches on the way up. And my JV coach is phenomenal, Kip Damgard, and my Kyle Williams and John Morrow, my other um, you know, middle school coaches are great too. So, um, yeah, I'm very blessed. I know that coaches, players, athletes, they don't really like talking about themselves all that much, but Brett brought it up, you hitting the 2,000-point mark in your career. So what did it mean to hit 2,000 points to you? To be honest, I think the hard work, I think I put a lot of time in. I was very blessed to have the opportunities with great parents and you know, great mentor with Matt Stuck and everything. But And then new teammates. You had, I had such good teammates. They're my still, obviously I'm coaching with, with Matt and you know, I have all my friends are still involved. Now, they're going to say the only reason I scored 2,000 is because I shot a lot. Now, I don't know about <laughs> that. But, you know, but um, I did shoot a lot. Do, do your kids <laughs> ever ask you about that? Uh, well, either your children or your players when the, when they see the name up there or uh, ever try to goad you into joining in on the scrimmages, see if you still got it? They they know when I jump in, that means I'm mad, that something's going wrong. So they'll if you ask any of my former players, they say, when Coach jumps in, better watch out because he thinks he can do something better than us. But no, and it's it's funny, you learn this over time, you, and, and nothing to say records and things of that nature, but I think, the and they're all, and don't take this the wrong way, but I think the older you get, kids, the high school kids, don't care what I did did back then, or people you're forgotten. You really are. I mean, you go down and it's. I mean, you're up there. That's awesome. It's a great honor. But you also have to understand that it's. You don't let it get to your head because nobody really cares anymore what you did 20 years ago. But it is. It is an honor. Well, your little man is looking at the window like a sad puppy dog, and I think he's waiting for you to uh, to get out there. Is there anything else that you wanted to say? No, I just uh, thank you for the, the opportunity to come up here and speak to you guys, and I appreciate everything you've done. And um, nice, um, nice getting to know you these last couple of years a little bit more. So yeah, you were a blast. Thank you so much. So thank you. Once again, a big thank you to Ryan Hiller coming on the show today. Again, the Manton versus Buckley game is Saturday, January twentieth. The JV game starts at six p.m. and Varsity will will follow. Shirts are going to be sold by both schools, and money raised will be used for a scholarship for one Manton and one Buckley senior. Again, they will be honoring the late Jeff McDonald, who was a coach at Cadillac and lost his battle to pancreatic cancer in July of 2015. I expect the the gym to be packed that day at Manton, and uh, a lot of people will come out and support that. Yeah, and we'll be putting a link online on uh, on Twitter or Facebook, I would imagine, of uh, the, the site you can go to to order T-shirts for that game. And uh, just keep in mind that there are two separate T-shirts, one for Manton and one for Buckley. Yeah, so McDonald was a coach for 20 years, uh, had 322 wins. Uh, it's uh, That's a guy who is certainly deserving of some recognition and, and certainly uh, an honor such as this as Manton and Buckley take on uh, cancer in a, in a charitable game. Let's move on now to the Get Around Hall of Fame, and we've got three pretty good candidates here as we uh, hope that someone is, well, certainly someone is going to be getting in. Someone's going to be our inductee this week. So I'll kick things off with my pick, and that's Caden Hale from Bear Lake. The Lakers are actually 5-0 and right now. He had 31 points, 5 boards, 6 dimes, 2 thefts, and a block in their win against Big Rapids Crossroads. He, of course, is one of our 
early season, preseason predictions to be uh, a player of the year. He certainly has the talent to do that, and he's showcasing that right now. All right, I'm going to put up Buckley's Austin Harris, who scored a game-high 30 points in a 40-point win over Benzie Central last week. He made eight threes in that game, and that's all I know about him because those stats came from Benzie Central. So, Blair, you should probably call in a little bit. Yeah, head coach Blair Moss, one of your assistants, anybody, start calling in so we know rebounds, assists, steals, blocks, any of that. It would certainly... I know the Buckley fans out there would appreciate it. I know last year we got uh, a little bit of heat for not having some Buckley coverage in there that they were, you know, at the time undefeated, and I got emails and calls like, why don't you have anything about Buckley in the newspaper? I went, well, because Buckley coaches aren't calling in. Uh, my nomination will be Belair. Uh, Belair's Lexi Nepoth. She's having an excellent season this year, but uh, against uh, Johannesburg Lewiston on Friday, really accentuated that with 24 points and a school record 27 rebounds in one game. Um, she's averaging 14.4 points and 14 rebounds this year uh, as well. Yeah, putting up a double-double in a 2020, almost a 25 Second-ranked Eagles. Second yeah, no, number two. Number two in Class D. That's, I mean, that's a, I, I thought they would be top ten, but I didn't expect that they would be that high. But the, the Class D rankings after Mount Pleasant Sacred Heart are incredibly close between two and ten. But uh, that's, that's still a pretty big... Uh, Pretty big get for them to, to be ranked that high. Yeah, I mean, averaging 14 and 14, that's like an Andre Drummond line. I was actually going to say that, but I didn't feel like I could because I don't know anything about the Detroit Pistons other than Andre Drummond is pretty good. <laughs> All right, let's put it to a vote. Who are we going with? Uh, I am going to cast my vote for Belair's Lexi Nepoth. I think a 24 and 27 is definitely worth Athlete of the Week. As am I. Yeah, sure. I mean, and and against a pretty quality Johannesburg Lewiston team, it's not like she, you know, did this in a in a game against somebody that they held the four points, which I think they did this year once. Well, a congratulations to both Austin Harris and Caden Hale, but a bigger con- congratulations to Lexi Nepoth from Bel Air for just an incredible game, and she is our latest inductee into the Get Around Hall of Fame. On to the trifecta now, where we are going to be going over the best basketball movies of all time. And as I said at the top of the show, all of us, all three of us can agree right now that Hoosiers is in fact one of the best sports movies of all time, but certainly the best basketball movie of all time, yes? Agreed. Agreed, yeah. Wholeheartedly. Wholeheartedly. A word that I have trouble Four out of five Jimmy Chit would say it is, in fact, Hoosiers. (laughs) Four out of five. Uh, so why don't we... What does the uh, fifth one say? Space Jam. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> the, the he actually says... No, he says basketball. That's what the fourth... <laughs> the fourth Jimmy Chitwood said said basketball. The fourth one's, the fifth one's just not available. He's just out back shooting baskets on his... Uh, that's right. The fifth, the fifth one didn't have time to, didn't have time to vote. Yeah. He's out there with a tape measure making sure the rim's 10 feet. It's actually pretty funny. I was rocking my uh, Hickory Huskers shirt yesterday because I was able to go to the actual gym uh, in Knightstown, Indiana, where they filmed the movie, the, the home court of the Hickory Huskers. I went there last February, I believe, with my, uh, with my pops, and we were able to go there and, and watch it, a basketball team between uh, the team that I used to cover when, back when I was in Illinois, uh, ran, uh, the Rantoul Eagles uh, against the St. Thomas Moore Sabres. 
And it was really cool to see two basketball teams really going at it. Is it, it is a very small court. I mean, a very, very, very small court. And sitting in the stands, sitting on those, those old wooden benches, painted gray and, and chipping away, was just, I don't know, it was a pretty amazing experience. And to, to have that with my dad and bonding over that when we had bonded so much over Hoosiers when I was growing up, Seriously, one of the greatest experiences of my life, no doubt about that. Yeah, I mean, Hoosiers, I mean, it has got to be that. Um, I, I Actually, when I was at CMU, I got to cover, uh, there was a kid on the CMU basketball team named, I believe it was Aaron Brown, um, who was an extra in that movie because he was in high school at that point, and he was like six foot six or six foot seven at the time. So he played one of the players for the other team in the, uh, like, semifinals, I think it was, that they were at, who they were playing in the semifinals. It was like Terre Haute or some, some big school like that. And he was playing one of the players for that school. Oh, nice. So have any actors from that movie gone on to much other than Gene Hackman and Dennis Hopper? I mean, can you remember any other actors from that other than those two? That was a mic drop. They didn't have to do anything else. True, yeah. You just needed, as we discussed before when we did uh, Best Coach and you had Norman Dale on that, that was a pretty easy pick right there for sure. Gene Hackman just plays a really good coach. Many times. Yep, the replacements, always solid in that as well. All right, so why don't we talk a little bit about uh, our other movies that we are putting up but really don't even come close to Hoosiers. There's there's not another basketball movie that can measure up to Hoosiers. Yeah, so in kind of looking at some basketball movies, I actually was surprised at the um, number of well-received ones that I haven't seen. So I've, I've got some work to do as far as the basketball film list goes, but... Um, you know, a couple of my favorites are uh, Glory Road and Space Jam. Now, Glory Road, as far as a pure basketball movie, probably top Space Jam. But Space Jam is one of my favorite sports movies just because of its entertainment value. And I loved watching the Looney Tunes when I was a little kid. And I don't know. That's just a movie that is ridiculous of a premise as it is. It, it certainly highlights the popularity and of Michael Jordan and how, you know, at one point he literally could do no wrong and it turned to, everything he touched turned to gold. And one of the great things to come out of that was Seal's I Believe I Can Fly and, and inst- you know, just a classic song from uh, from that time. And you got Bill Murray in there as well, of course, taking on the, the Monstars and just... It was uh, one of those movies that I remember wearing out the VHS of when I was younger, watching that over and over again. Have either of you guys rewatched that recently? I have is it, not. Is it a movie that holds up? It probably is not. It's possible, though. I mean, you have you have the Looney Tunes in it, and it seems as if the Looney Tunes have kind of gone to the wayside and aren't really that big of a, uh, a part of popular culture anymore, but I'm sure that I would still find it entertaining. It hasn't been that long since I've seen it. Like, I wouldn't say it's been in the last year, but certainly in my adult life I've watched it and I still thoroughly enjoy it. How many times have you had one of those things where you've had a, a movie that was like, you know, when you were a kid or a teenager, it was like you thought, oh, this was great, and then later on, you know, when you're you know, an adult, you watch it again 10, 20 years later, and you're like, wow, this is garbage. This They're is not good. There are a couple of them, but off the top of my head, for the for the love of me, I cannot remember. But I know there are. For some reason, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure pops to mind, but I don't think that's true. I think that's in the category of one that does hold up over time. Because you have Keanu playing kind of like a California surfer airhead, 
And then, of course, he comes out, you know, uh, eventually becomes John Wick and whoops some ass. And kills a lot of people. Of course, yes, he's Neo. So Neo and John Wick from, what was it? The Matrix? (laughs) No, I was trying to remember. So you had, I can't remember the names of the two characters because obviously my mind is somewhere else right now. It is. I wonder where that is. It is, yeah, it's. Certainly out of this office. The one, the one movie that I had that uh, that came along into that category of that I watched recently, and I was like, man, this is bad. But I thought it was great like 15 years ago, or when I was a teenager, was Highlander. The I, Highlander. I watched the Highlander, and I was like, wow, this is not done well at all, and does not hold up at all. I, I'm with you, Brendan. Actually, I I know what's happened a time or two, but I. I'm trying to rack my brain here thinking of what it was, and I just I can't come up with it. Well, that's great. I mean, this makes for great conversation, us yeah. both saying that we don't know. It would have been kind of James to let us know that he was going to ask this question before the podcast, but that's quite <laughs> all right. So, all right, uh, James, your, uh, your basketball movie that is, you know, not in the same category as Hoosiers, but still is one to talk about. Well, right, I'm going to go with, uh, with Glory Road. Um, just a good overall movie. I mean, it has a lot of good basketball action. It's got a lot of good stuff away from that, you know, with the, the history of the team, the Texas Western team, with the first uh, all-black starting five in college history and then them taking on Kentucky eventually and, you know, and the happy ending that, that follows with that. Uh, but, you know, all the things that team had to go through with uh, the discrimination they faced and, you know, it's just a. It involves a lot of different layers, I guess, to it, other than just playing basketball. I'm glad you pointed out the basketball action in that movie because I do remember it being the quality of it being pretty solid, and that's something that really bugs me a lot of times. Um, it seems like movies that incorporate basketball don't always take the time to make it terribly realistic. Basketball, you know, they either shrink the size of the playing surface down so that it makes it seem like the gym is full in which case then your free throw line's like four feet away from the basket and all those things. But um, I was going somewhere with this and completely lost my train of thought. Great. <clears throat> this uh, That's even better Yeah. <laughs> for, for great radio podcasting. That's what editing is for, Brendan. Whatever the hell we're doing here. <laughs> I do remember where I was going to go with this. Yay! The, the basketball scene from uh, season two of Stranger Things and how to- how terrible that was. Uh, when Steve is playing against um, Billy, Billy, yeah. You, oh yes, I remember that and, now. And uh, Steve's bringing the ball down the floor, and then he goes into back down mode at about the three point line. And then as the as the camera pans, three other pairs of players are also all in a back down position. Like, hey, throw me the ball, I'm posted up. So you've got like four guys on the same team posted up at the same time. <laughs> Well, apparently the Duffer brothers didn't know much about basketball, but they sure do do know their 1980s pop culture. They sure do. I'm going to throw a a couple in there. There's the documentary uh, Hoop Dreams, which a lot of people consider to be one of the better movies. Uh, There's also Blue Chips starring Nick Nolte, and then you've got a bunch of NBA players in that. I know Shaq was in there. I think Anthony Hardaway was also in that that movie. But the one that I'm going to throw in, it was kind of fun. And that was White Men Can't Jump. I actually went to the family video Sunday night and thinking they would have it for like a 50-cent rental because I wanted to watch it before we recorded the podcast to have a little better gauge of of where that movie was. But you have uh, Woody Harrelson, who was kind of at his peak uh, after Cheers and then 
well before True Detective. And then you had Wesley Snipes, uh, who was very, very entertaining in that movie. So it's just about, you know, a couple of basketball hustlers who get into trouble and owe some people, you know, the wrong people, a lot of money. And then for some reason, Rosie Perez goes on Jeopardy to try to win enough money to get them, uh, you know, uh, out of debt to these loan sharks. And it's... It's an entertaining movie. It's certainly not a great movie, but it is entertaining. Was it not in the 50 cent section? It wasn't. They didn't have it. I went right up to the lady and was like, hey, do you have White Men Can't Jump? And she starts typing in the computer. And she's like, I do. we do not. And I went, cool, I'm leaving. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of leaving, that's what we're going to do right now. We are going to wrap things up here on the podcast and then leave the studio Thank you so much for listening to episode 17. I ho- Again, I hope you enjoyed listening as much as we enjoyed talking. Uh, make sure that you come back next week. We are guaranteed to have another barn burner of a show. Uh, I am your host, Brendan Queeley, and again with me this week was Brett, Lil Cinnamon Toast Crunch Summers, and Lil Mio. Little Mio, who's right up there with Lil Bow Wow. Mm-hmm. Not Lil Bow Wow. Now I think he just goes by Bow Wow. I believe he does. Got rid of the Lil. Got rid of the Lil. All right, everybody, have a good week. <laughs>